Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders, favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Lab's Chief Talking Officer. And I'm speaking from a big city in Little Britain, i.e. London. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to a CTO leading the technology in a fintech company, where they're using blockchain to create a more democratic trading system. They've seen a gap in the market and they're going to fill it. So welcome our guests from T0. So welcome, Amit. Welcome to CTO Confessions. Thank you, TC. Thanks for having me here. I'm really happy to, to chat with you today. Brilliant. That's great. And so uh, for the audience, um, give us a quick introduction of who you are, what you do and, and what you're about. Oh, absolutely. So um, in my current role, I am a, a chief technology officer for a startup called T0. What T0 is trying to do is uh, building uh, a platform to provide liquidity to traditionally illiquid assets like real estate um, or anything of value. Which uh, So currently the way markets are set up, public companies get a lot of liquidity. But in US today, there are only about 4,000 public companies and there are more than 4 million private companies that get no liquidity. Once investors or employees have equity in those companies until there is a uh, liquidity event, which is either those go- companies go public or uh, are bought by someone else, their investment is stuck. Uh, yes. So there are a few platforms where uh, uh, they can make deals and get out of that investment, but there is nothing that is uh, uh, widely available. So we want to build a, a stock market for uh, private companies, which works just like public companies. Wow. Uh, and we are doing it on blockchain uh, because blockchain brings the two big benefits uh, uh, in this space. Uh, if you look at public markets today, a lot of inefficiencies because uh, uh, too many middle middlemen, too many uh, market participants, Really, it should be an investor, an exchange which matches the investor's orders and uh, uh, their custodian or bank, which is doing the transfers. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at public markets today, there are broker dealers, there are uh, uh, clearing firms, custodians, uh, transfer agents, it's just endless number of people. And blockchain does solve all those issues. Uh, it becomes one immutable open ledger. Yes. Uh, and on top of that, I forgot to mention, uh, because of all these different participants, every year, billions of dollars are spent on reconciliation. Data is pulled in from all these different participants, gathered in one place. And if those securities, those stocks are created on blockchain and every transaction is just managed in that one uh, piece of database or technology, all that reconciliation effort goes away. So that's what we are trying to do, starting with private companies, uh, uh, private assets, and uh, hopefully someday take it to the public market too. 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's it's almost like um, a democratization of uh, of trading. It's just uh, uh, opening it up to the to the masses, you know. So, for example, I could I could trade in a private company down the road, you know, if they were uh, tradable, you know, on on the on a thing. Um, Absolutely, um, and the, think of uh, the power of this uh, platform where a farmer can uh, uh, put their assets, put their business onto this platform and raise capital that way and then uh, uh, give out dividends and uh, uh, grow their business, grow their grow their farms, grow their productivity. So uh, the benefits are just uh, uh, countless. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's going to it's going to change uh, at least the markets as we know today. Yeah, that's right. And I guess the banking industry will kind of be uh, touched by this kind of activity because uh, the the, uh, the investment or the need for uh, you know cash within an organisation can come from other alternative kind of approaches. Um, yeah, that's quite that's quite interesting. So um, my curiosity is kind of triggered around uh, you know the different assets that you can trade. You know, creating liquidity around them. So what's the strangest thing that you're potentially trading on this platform? I mean, lots of things have value, you know. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, we just started as a company. So right now we only have three assets, but some of the uh, things in the pipeline are uh, uh, the Hollywood uh, uh, film producing. Uh, there are a couple of those going on. Uh, there are sports team that we are talking to, uh, wow. which are going to be traded. Uh, recently, this, this didn't happen with us, but recently one of the NBA player they tokenize their contract with NBA and uh, it's going to be trading soon. Wow. So some of these things are, which are, which are, which have been logged for maybe a couple of investors are going to open to all of us to be trade in uh, very soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite interesting. I wonder if I, you can trade me on there. I don't know. I don't know if I've got any value. <laughs> I'm only joking audience. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's a fascinating, I mean, this is a great thing, you know, being interviewing uh, chief technology officers like yourself and, and tech leaders is that you get to hear about these kind of innovations that I would never have thought about. So, so who, whose brainchild is this then? Um, what brought this about? So, Really, uh, the illiquidity or liquidity in private assets, that's been going on for years. I mean, that's uh, uh, that's the reason companies go public. They, they want to bring uh, liquidity uh, to their investors. And there have been these one-off platforms that uh, uh, pick up stocks from maybe past employees and then put them up for sale. But those deals are really... Um, far and far and few in between uh, so what these platforms do is taking that idea and uh, really making it uh, uh, bringing it to a bigger scale yeah. uh, investors are pouring money in for this right now so I don't know whose idea was this <laughs> yeah. to answer your question but it's it's really uh, heating up right now there are a lot of uh, competition in the space yes I, I can see it opening up uh, many, many uh, opportunities, you know, well, basically it's the, I mean, anything that's got value, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, so as a kind of, as a tech leader, which you are, sir, um, I, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, as, as a CTO, um, 
I mean, your intentions as a CTO for T0, I mean, what, where, where are your intentions? What do you intend to kind of achieve in your kind of career while you're there? Absolutely. Um, many things come to my mind. One is uh, uh, obviously making the company successful. As when I started with T0, we were five or six uh, um, oh, technologists and building that team to 60 and uh, uh sharing that uh, dream, sharing that vision with all of them that how we're going to change uh, uh, this market, which hasn't changed in years. And uh, so I want to realize that uh, for those guys, as well as for myself. Uh, so that's that's where uh, it lies, uh, uh, my motivation with the company. Right. Second is uh, um, just when, uh, so before this role, I was... Uh, Chief Technology Officer at Overstock.com. It's a uh, retail uh, uh, e-commerce company uh, based out of US. And uh, so our CEO, CEO and founder of uh, uh, Overstock, uh, Patrick Byrne, uh, he he is also the founder of T0. And uh, he tapped me to come run uh, the technology for uh, this brainchild of his and uh, uh, and he used to call it the calling of his life. Uh, oh, wow. And uh, so kind of, I feel like as he picked me for this, I uh, want to make it successful for him. Um, so those are a couple of uh, more personal reasons. Um, other than that, the opportunity has so much potential just being able to realize it uh, yeah. that's that's another thing that totally motivates me about this yeah it's um it's, it's something you said earlier on around you know the kind of liquidity uh, liquidity kind of issue has been around for a long time uh with lots of kind of tradable areas and you're solving you know you're kind of you're solving a problem that's out there um which which is fantastic to be kind of the forefront of that um so in terms of um uh, you know, your again, your role as a leader, a tech leader. Um, what are the things that kind of keep you up at night? You know, in terms of, uh, you know, what, what, where's the kind of challenge personally to you? Yeah. Um, so uh, the biggest thing is uh, uh, the adoption by the market of of our idea of our technology. That's that's the biggest thing as uh, being in a startup. Uh, adoption uh, has been slow to be very honest so far right. uh, so that's that's been the biggest worry but purely on the technology side um, a few things come to my mind one is blockchain we are trying to build the whole platform on blockchain where every transaction happens on the chain um, so blockchain is a very promising technology but it hasn't uh, it's still in its first gen the second gen hasn't uh, arrived yet. There are still scalability issues with the uh, with the technology, uh, as well as uh, uh, availability of tools. Uh, it, yeah. it, it takes quite a bit of ramp up for a new developer to come and start contributing on this. Oh wow! Uh, so those those are the those have been a few challenges with the technology itself, um, yes. and uh, uh, I guess the third thing that uh, that becomes uh, uh, so traditionally all these markets have been uh, uh, running from 9 30 to 4 30 
only weekdays. We are building uh, a stock market or a trading in, uh, platform, which is going to be 24 seven. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's the connection between this new gen 24 seven uh, uh, platform or trading system, connecting it with this old gen, which is on, which only runs 9.30 to 4.30. Right. Uh, that's where it gets challenging uh, uh, yes. to keep that going. Yeah. So yeah, those are some of the challenges we are running into. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess from a financial perspective as well, there's kind of regulation around how you actually trade this stuff because, um, yeah, I imagine it's a, it's a highly regulated market uh, to Absolutely. be able to do this. And so from a technologist perspective, I mean, this is something that you've had to um, l learn a lot about, you know, the kind of the regulation and the security and, and what have you. Yeah, that was the hardest part when I took this job two years ago. Uh, coming from retail, my background lifelong has been in retail and yeah. uh, uh, coming to this new world, it's uh, uh, just going into meetings and uh, I'll hardly understand two or three things that was that were said there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so new domain, new technology, which was blockchain, I was completely new to that. Uh, yeah. And at Overstock, we were completely on uh, on-prem uh, uh, system. So here it was, uh, we wanted to build all in uh, cloud. So it was it was a bit, a bit of challenge as I came in, but especially the biggest thing was around regulatory. Uh, even yeah. now, uh, and regulatory environment has changed quite a bit in the last two years, uh, as I'm seeing it. Uh, mm -hmm. Regulators used to be, um, used to be a uh, bit against this idea um, and uh, all these uh, the some reputation issues with, with the blockchain uh, didn't help but now yeah. they are they are evolving their thoughts are evolving they're yes. so they are releasing new processes so which which is uh, a great news for the industry yes that's right I actually didn't really think about that because I imagine regulators in, are inherently quite conservative they want to they're regulating an existing industry. They know how it works. And when something kind of comes along like blockchain and, and uh, trading lots of different kind of assets, it's just like total, total kind of new new game game for them. So with blockchain, I mean, it, as you mentioned, it's a, a new technology. It's an area that I know IT Labs works in as well. Um, uh, I, I can't confess to kind of know it all myself, so I'm probably very much in the same shoes as you know, as as, as many people are in this industry. Um, uh, so you, you kind of mentioned that the kind of difficulties around getting people one that understand it and know what it is, um, I, I, and and the lack of tools in that space. I mean, is it is that the case that it's very sparse in terms of uh, the maturity of tools in one programming language? Uh which is uh, basically a derivative of JavaScript. And uh, um, it's it's not that easy for uh, developers to to uh, learn and start contributing. It's a, it's a little different from the uh, object oriented. So all my uh, generation people, we, we started developing an object oriented uh, uh, programming concepts and it's different from that. And uh, so it takes quite a bit, uh, and uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's one thing. And second is uh, uh, the the tooling. For if you take a, a more mature example, more mature language like Java, 
there are a lot of frameworks around it making uh, the language learning as well as developing easier there are uh, tool to write unit tests there are tools to write automation there are uh, there's so many tools around it but uh, all those don't exist around blockchain development yet wow okay sounds like there's an opportunity to kind of create a, a whole ecosystem around that that area as well because i mean that's quite quite interesting point you made there around testing you know from a from a as a, as a tech leader you want to make sure that you know the code that's been written is working and you know you don't want this stuff going wrong out in the field because you know we, we're talking serious money here um mm-hmm. So how do you test how how do you test blockchain? I mean, it's it, it, I'm, I'm actually kind of quite amazed by how that's actually achieved. Yeah, uh, so there are test chains. Um, we do a lot of deployments and testing on on the test chains. Uh, that's that's has been our biggest tool. Second is unit tests. You can still write unit tests for your code. Uh, and uh, make sure uh, all those little units are working and then do a whole lot of integration testing on, <laughs> on yeah, the yeah, test chains. Yeah. So that, that's, that has been our saving grace so far. Um, yeah. I, I saw, I saw, could see by your face then that the, uh, the integration testing is a whole lot of integration uh, testing, yeah. integrating, and I can imagine uh, the kind of size of it. Um, so kind of coming back to kind of leadership piece, um, obviously, you know, speaking to the big fat, uh, COVID-19 elephant in the room um, it's kind of impacted everybody you know we're living through it uh, for anybody listening to this in the future uh, this is during the COVID-19 period uh, <laughs> um, I mean how have you how have you managed how have your teams and yourself kind of managed through that what, what kind of tips have you got around leading through COVID? Yeah um, it was uh, I think uh, what we saw is in the first few months productivity went up uh, because everything was closed, people were working harder than before. And uh, the biggest reason was that uh, uh, the planning phase of a lot of work that was on plate or in the backlog was done. So everybody knew what needs to be done or a little bit of planning was needed and people kept uh, uh, delivering. And then we hit uh, this block in uh, July or August of 2020 where uh, all the planned work was done and now was the more uh, uh, planning and coordination and uh, collaboration was needed and uh, and that wasn't there the the whiteboard sessions the one off chats with each other that all that started showing the the impact yeah um so we did a couple of things to to overcome that one was uh, uh People who were comfortable, we started doing uh, once a week to our uh, whiteboard session in office. Um, and uh, people who don't want to come in, they they could do it uh, virtually. Yeah. Uh, and also a lot of tools. Uh, uh, Google launched a couple of tools around that where you could do virtual whiteboarding. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was uh, uh, kind of our journey to see how productivity went up and then it hit the plateau and started going down and now yeah. it's, we are back into the to the saddle again yes um that that part was just around productivity the bigger part was uh, um keeping up with people uh those one-on-ones were not uh, as effective as they used to be mm. uh those uh, team meetings uh, uh, it was hard to know 
how what kind of emotions people are going through um so th- those were the hard part that uh, uh i i used to do um I, i still do uh one week uh, uh, every week one on one with uh, all my direct reports uh my indirect one level down i used to do monthly and yeah. further level down i used to do uh quarterly one on ones yes uh but last four five months once when this problem started becoming big uh of disconnecting with the people i uh upped the, the frequency of those one on ones so yeah now that that has been a good tool just to connect with them again yeah um yeah those those are some of the things come to my mind yeah it's i mean it's quite it's quite interesting that uh you know you you're trying to find that connection i mean this has been quite a common uh challenge for everybody especially in the kind of tech space so uh speaking to other kind of tech leaders uh you know who have been employed and, and and onboarding people remotely so they're not actually even met each other face to face yeah but i i hear you on the uh on the whiteboard front you know because i think whiteboards are a fantastic tool just to gather around and 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 get discussions going and that is is uh, is quite a challenge to kind of recreate that virtually you know it's not impossible but it's not quite the same you know yeah um, Yeah so I mean it's good that you've kind of it's interesting also that you the when the planning came back in the interactivity and the kind of uh conversations needs to kind of go to another level you know rather than just knowing what work you need to do it's kind of planning so yeah that's quite quite I'm quite curious around how how that can be solved uh, with this virtual working I think uh, uh one thing it did uh, it's going to change uh, uh, the working world in coming years cuz companies are realizing that uh, everyone doesn't need to be at work in the same building to uh, to be productive mm. so uh, the office culture is going to change uh, in in the coming years with this yes that's right well you know um, it sounds like you you're doing well uh, as as it is um so that's kind of brings me to the question around the teams and agile you know so you know what are your thoughts on agile does it work does it work for you well it depends what's your definition of agile yes <laughs> uh, my definition of agile is uh, delivering value often uh, which is uh, i try uh, or all of my teams our goal is always try to get code as soon as possible in production uh and that comes from the planning because every project is a big project 3 months 6 months breaking it out into smaller deliverables that can go out in production yeah uh and either they add value to the customer right away if not at least they get tested in production from uh, as soon as uh, possible yeah we measure all our teams uh, by number of deploys in production weekly and that's kind of my measure of how teams are doing if that uh, number of deploys are going down uh, usually it means that either the planning wasn't well done well yeah or there are some issues with the devops processes or uh, maybe developers aren't are not checking in uh, uh, quick enough yeah so that's my definition of agile which is uh, uh, delivering value often yes uh that for me works really good uh in in my career we have picked up many projects uh, year long six months long um 
I think, and that's where I, I look back and that's what made me successful in my career is the ability to take a big project and then uh, divide it into small deliverables and then ask for more, even smaller deliverables for, from my reports that, hey, this is what I think you should do, uh, but look at it, uh, talk to your developers, how further we can slice it. Yes. And uh, uh, that's, that's the true meaning of Agile for me and uh, works great. Yeah, that sounds good. And um, yeah, because uh, it's interesting, you kind of said, you know, it depends what you mean by agile, because I think the you, the term does get misused quite a lot. Um, yeah. it's, it's seen as a shortcut and, and the rebadging of old ways of doing stuff without actually, uh, but uh, delivering value as quickly as possible. Um, I've also got a note here around uh, technical debt, because I mean, one of the things I love about agile is, is that how we uh, try to minimize the amount of technical debt. I mean, is this, is this kind of a, a challenge that you have uh, in your kind of platform, T-Zero platform? Um, T-Zero platform, not as much because uh, uh, it's it's quite new right now. Uh, but at Overstock, we, we face that quite a bit. Uh, it's, our technology at Overstock started uh, uh, developing in 1997, uh, 98, and uh, it's still uh, developing. And so tech debt has been a big issue. Uh, for for startups, tech debt um, usually is not that big an issue. Um, I mean, it, it can be, but as companies grow, it can really cripple the growth at companies. Uh, yes. And the best way to know is still that number of deploys a week. As tech debt grows, those number of deploys will go down. Oh, uh, right. So that's... Uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 something that all uh, uh, technology leaders, all technologists have to be very careful about, and uh, uh, it can really destroy companies. Uh, uh, as uh, I've seen this, and I used to measure that uh, at Overstock, uh, uh, as the time between uh, for a developer, as the time between finishing a piece of code and seeing that code in production as that time grows, yes, the apathy towards that deployment in the developer's mind grows. Uh, if they finish it today and they can see it live today, they're going to be much more engaged and be much more responsive if something does go wrong or if there's a feedback. But if there's a two months of uh, finishing code and seeing it in production, they've moved on they don't uh, uh, yeah yes. so so that's uh, that's what technical that that does it yeah. uh, disconnects people from their art i love i love that uh, perspective of the delay I, I think this is just generally in, in organizations a delay is never considered the, uh, from a financial perspective but i, I like your uh, take your perspective on the actual kind of psychological effect on people, you know, their engagement in it. Uh, if it's there too long, uh, people forget what they've done as well, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, um, so yeah, get it out there quicker. And uh, so in, I'm kind of curious because you're obviously kind of measuring uh, your, one of your feedback groups is the number of deploys, you know, per week or yeah. per, per, per hour. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what are there any other kind of measurements that you find work really well for you uh, in terms of your leading and your, for your teams? Number of deploys usually tell you uh, how well things are going. Um, is the team able to generate business value? Yeah. Uh, 
because there could be one or two or or a few in between deploys that don't add value but if something is continuously deployed it's going to add value yeah um other things i keep a close eye on unit test coverage um that's something i i really believe in there was one time when i was a developer uh me and another guy uh four days we just went into it rewrote the whole thing uh the this whole module uh but the unit tests were written so well and as uh, we re- rewritten was done rewrite was done we hit the unit test button and everything passed and that was probably the happiest moment of my career <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. and uh, and that just gives us confidence that we don't need uh, because the whole thing was rewritten we don't need weeks of testing because every single unit test passed uh, i mean obviously we're still going to do some integration testing yes. so unit testing saves a lot of uh, future testing work as well as development work in many ways uh, so yeah that's another thing i keep an eye on uh number of rollbacks and how quickly uh, a team recover from a rollback mm. uh if there is a production issue how quickly a rollback can be done and uh, uh and system is put back on in production right so, so those are three or four things i uh, yeah, i measure cool. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good measurements. I think that's a, they're good uh, good things. I think to raise awareness around because uh, f- f- you know if you can measure it, then you can do something about it. Um, so in coming back to your kind of platform, um, you know the T zero platform. Um, what kind of what's the kind of technology stack on that? How, what, how is that set up? Is it on prem uh, on prem or is it um, cloud? Yeah. So it's all cloud um pretty much all cloud. Um so we have a uh, a front end uh, which is uh, a trading platform. Yeah. Uh and that front end is uh, built in React. Uh react.js it's a javascript framework. Um so that's uh, in the back end um we are using uh, uh Spring RESTful services. uh programming language uh, uh, we picked has been kotlin yeah uh and uh, all those uh, uh kotlin services are deployed on gcp uh for uh, so that that covers all the trading interface trading platform the uh the interface for the technology piece for uh, matching uh, matching the orders matching the uh, trades that is on prem uh, we don't have that on cloud that came with the acquisition yeah. so uh, i think over time we'll move that on cloud too but that's that one piece is still on prem uh, and then uh, the back end the, the main uh, database transaction database is blockchain yes right and and in terms of the architecture that you got uh, um, i mean what what's the kind of uh requirements for the architecture that you you have uh, as part of developing this platform does the architecture need to kind of satisfy a, a particular need for for this particular use case is, is it kind of speed is it quantity of trades is it uh uptime resilience uh yeah uh, so uptime is probably the uh the biggest thing that we measure right now uh because we can when a trader wants to put a trade in we can't be down <laughs> uh 
we don't have a whole lot of volume yet uh, so i mean the the scalability and supporting a lot of uh, users is not a problem yet uh, so I, i'm a big uh, i mean always been a big favor of build what we need uh, don't build uh, what might be needed 10 years from now so uh, so we'll will grow the system will make it better will make it uh, available for millions of users as that demand comes uh, but right now with about 20 25000 users uh, i think uh, um, what we have is good enough so that's that's kind of my philosophy of uh, architecture and uh, uh, building applications that's that's good and and i guess the kind of scalability issue i guess that's kind of inherent in the architecture that you've chosen that allows you to scale that later on kind of thing you know it's, it's yeah the potential is there um the, the other area i because obviously you mentioned the word platform um that kind of talks to people using it uh from a user experience point of view how do you ensure that your uh your kind of customer centric the client centric where you're making sure that they can actually use your tool into it intuitively you know in, intuitively is that is that <laughs> quite a challenging thing to do i know saying intuitively is difficult <laughs> <laughs> it always is uh, um it's a especially so when uh, uh, we did that at overstock.com uh it's easy to with a lot of data with uh, overstock has about 60 million customer and about 50 million uh, unique monthly visitors uh, with that many users it's easy to measure and create different buckets of users and uh, uh, fix the experience which caters to uh, biggest uh, uh, user base yes for for our uh, it's uh, because the user base is not that big the data uh, and data analysis is not very conclusive at this stage if we look at how users are using the platform so uh, so it's a, it's a little bit more challenging it's a little bit more uh, uh, hit and trial yeah and uh, uh, but as a company uh, our ceo he's uh, he's he is such a good eye for design uh and as well as for him uh listening to user and fixing the user complaint is always the top priority for himself which makes it a priority for the company yeah uh he he never leaves a, a single twitter comment from a users if a user says that hey this is not working or i would like it this way he always makes sure that company or as a product group we respond to it uh, like that and that's that's what makes us user centric uh, uh, i think it's the culture from the top uh, other than that uh, from the structure standpoint what we have is we have a team of designers uh, they work with the product managers and come up with the initial design um, and uh, then it goes through different reviews uh, we also have a, a user group uh, a power user group mm. uh, we always loop them in uh, that how would and see them how do they react interact with this uh, new user interface right and uh, so those those are some of the tools we use uh, yeah. to be very user centric yeah i think it's we also have uh, uh, some of the javascript implementations to uh, to do the mouse tracking just to see if there is a, a place where 
users are stuck for a long time and are not moving to the next step which usually an indicator that uh, um, something is confusing confusing here yes um yeah yeah that's that's good uh, i mean it's good i'm glad uh, as a company you're looking at that because it's the number of times you look at a tool sometimes in you know the simple use cases which you think you know really um but also it's quite interesting the the twitter uh the twitter kind of uh, avenue that you have for that kind of feedback because i use yeah. that as well actually because <laughs> it's uh, it's obvious and i love i really do uh, so if any tech leaders out there you know do watch your twitter uh, channels because you know when somebody does say something they've gone out of their effort out of their way to make the effort and uh, and it's honestly it's such a a promotion when you react to that you know and do something oh absolutely um i, I i've uh, interacted with some really interesting companies you know where actual sales people and and techies have come on and said explain to us what you what, you, what you're not happy with you know um, which is good and and actually it turns out that i had spotted some probably not so common use cases but enough to to annoy enough people you know so so that's good um and 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 in terms of um your uh, the platform I, I can imagine there's a lot of data created um I, in terms of you as a tech leader what, what do you foresee um in, in using that data do you see kind of use cases and uh being able to you know uh, act on on the data yeah um we haven't really thought through that um, as a company uh, yet and there is a lot of regulatory um, things that we need to consider before we can use that data um, one thing that does come to mind is uh, so i don't know if you saw those uh, uh, those studies with robinhood users that uh, robinhood users tend to invest in a small number of stocks because Robinhood is always showing those as uh, one of the potential stock, kind of recommending those, although you can't really, a broker-dealer can't really recommend, but they, the way their interface was worked, was set up. And uh, so they were using the data, but it's uh, uh, it's probably not the, uh, the best use of data. <laughs> so... Uh, so we want to be careful uh, about those kind of things, but... Uh, really, I, uh, I, I don't. I can't think of anything that, uh, without the uh, legal approval, that things that we want to do with data yet. Uh, so, it's, it's, so I'm kind of coming towards the end. Um, um, are, are there any kind of? So, one of the things I find interesting is that you know we we learn in the messiness, you know, the messiness of of life and work, and and things going not so quite right. Um, so, is it, are there any kind of like big failures or big uh, moments in your kind of career that you've kind of learned some? You know, real gems. You know, a few come to to my mind. One is uh, uh, about four or five years back. Uh, so, as I was telling you, Overstock had been a uh, had they always had their platform on prem. And uh, uh, four or five years back, we decided to put together uh, and implement all the DevOps pipelines there uh, with the with the thought that. We're going to have multiple deploys in a day, and uh, and uh, um, we started building those pipelines, working with the teams. But that project took way longer than what it should have, um, and the reason behind that was uh, we didn't have support at the at the grassroots level. Uh, developers didn't see it as a big help. The, the ops people didn't see uh, this as a uh, 
as something they should get behind. Uh, business probably didn't see a lot of value that uh, uh, all this effort and money will bring. And uh, so that that's something that I look back as as a failure. And uh, and maybe if I was doing it again, uh, first get that support from all the areas before uh, start building it or start pushing it down. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that comes to my mind as a failure. And uh, um, yeah. I think now they have uh, moved on and uh, have really good pipelines but that there was a struggle to get it in for yeah. for a few years so so from that from that experience i mean what how would you advise other tech leaders to kind of if they're going through that similar kind of journey what advice would you give them to make that easier now knowing now what you know now i think the biggest thing is uh, one plan small go with one service go with uh, one team let them be successful uh plan small don't don't be too impatient yes when bringing these kind of big changes uh, into an already established platform and then uh, uh, find the uh, support at grassroots level those are the things that uh, i would say uh, are, are really critical yeah I try to go big bang and uh, changing culture uh, is hard. Changing yeah. uh, nobody, people don't want to change the way they do work because it, it affects their day. And uh, so that's, uh, those are some of the things I would say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's just quite a, quite a common issue. But I like the idea of breaking down things into smaller evolutionary, you know, taking a, almost a Darwinian approach to, to kind of just adjusting small things here and there. Uh, and, and before you know it, you're there, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so um, as we kind of come towards uh, the kind of end uh, of our, with our time together. Um, so um, other than the, the kind of sharing of the story that you've given, I mean, is there any other gems that you'd like to kind of share with the tech community out there uh, to the kind of men and women and aspiring tech leaders out there? Uh, that's a tough one, DC. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, on the, on the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess for what I would say is uh, uh, for the techies and uh, entrepreneurs out there is um, fintech is one of the area in the industry as I'm learning it in the last couple of years. There is still so much uh, needs to be done there. There is still so much scope for uh, um, innovation and making things better. Um, if you are looking for a cause, just I'd say jump on it. And similarly. Uh, same thing from the technology standpoint. Blockchain is such a fascinating piece of technology. Uh, if you are not already familiar with it or working with it, this is something you might want to spend some time with and uh, and learn it as uh, as this start taking over a lot of uh, uh, fintech innovation in the next coming few years. Cool, excellent. Actually, um, as as we kind of uh... You mentioned the blockchain. It's something that's been mentioned a number of times, um, and people have described it as a as a solution looking for a problem. Um, uh, how, how, what would you say to that? Because I don't know much about uh, blockchain myself. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> I have heard that before, and uh, so. Really, the use cases, wherever there is a centralization, wherever there is a, uh, that we need to trust a centralized body to 
that they will do their job uh, as they are supposed to. That's what, where the use cases of blockchain comes in. For example, um, in, the, in the stock market, there is so much uh, uh, opacity that uh, uh, we have no idea that how many stocks are out there, who, how many owners are out there uh, for a particular stock, uh, which transaction got settled, uh, when, and so that those are all the things that blockchain solves. Um, and in addition to that, uh, working on talking about the same example, there is uh, billions of dollars are spent in reconciliation. All the market participants in stock market build their own databases uh, uh, to record the transactions, uh, build their own reports. All that can be easily centralized in a very trusted uh, uh, database, which is blockchain. Uh, so uh, yeah, I've heard that there, there has been like any other uh, big technology or uh, uh, big thing that comes up. There are always things that, uh, where the use cases crop up, which are not the perfect use cases for that technology. Yeah. But I think uh, uh, blockchain, especially in the in the decentralization, it's a big big solution uh, for currency management. That's that's another big use case. Uh, uh, the land governance, a uh, uh, lot of these things that makes absolutely sense for uh, for uh, uh, a solution like blockchain. Excellent. Good. I, th I think that's kind of got me thinking, actually, that, you know, I do see some use cases now. So it's, it's central around the decentralization um, of, uh, of information. Um, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Amit. That's uh, been very insightful. Um, it's been great having you on. And uh, thank you very much. Much appreciated. My, my pleasure, TC. Uh, thanks for having me here. Well, I'm consistently amazed at what the innovation storm we live in is coming up with. Being able to trade more things to create financial security for self and open up the opportunities for companies and people needing investment is such a cool thing. Well, speaking to Amit about the work he and his team are doing for T0 is a real eye-opener, one where we can get creative about the securities we want to trade in. So, my key takeaways from the podcast were as follows. You can trade in anything and enabling the power of opening up the markets to relatively hidden investment opportunities is mind-blowingly amazing. My second key takeaway is how to lead remotely. I love Amit's approach to keeping up with people, making sure that the human element of the business system is looked after with increasingly regular one-to-one -one meetings. And my third and final takeaway from my time with Amit is making sure developers stay connected to their code by reducing the time for what they develop hitting production. From a psychological perspective, they get a feeling of contribution but also ensuring that technical debt is not hidden in code waiting to hit the real world. So thank you again, Amit. Thank you for your time, your valuable insights into how you lead. I wish you and T0 the best going forward. I look forward to investing in myself on your platform or even other people investing in me. I can't think of anyone right now that will want to trade in TC Gill stocks, but hey, it's a big wide world out there and somewhere someone sees value in me. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. 
we are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.